Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Sunday, it's 12 July, it's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And let's see here, I got uh, an email from somebody named Barry Smith this week from the UK. And I responded and it bounced back. So I wanted Barry to know that I did get your email, I did respond, and uh, whatever your email address was, it was kind of a funny ending. It rejected, Google rejected it. So I apologize about that. And let's see, our first category, as always, is Israel. And we have from MIG News, which is Russian. I had to have it translated from Russian, so it may be a little bit off in the translation. But overseas, Israel punished for doing many tests. Same thing that's happened in the U.S., which we'll see a little later. The EU's decision that Israel will not be included in the list of countries whose citizens can cross the borders of the Union without a mandatory 14-day quarantine has created understandable disappointment among Israelis and caused a serious economic blow to the country. Against the backdrop of the fact that citizens of Thailand, Australia, New Zealand, Algeria, Morocco, Canada, Georgia, and even possibly China are allowed to fly into the EU. The question arises, what is the problem with Israel? The criterion for permitting the removal of compulsory quarantine upon arrival in the EU, established in the relevant order of the EC, is the number of infected per 100,000 people. In Greece, 400 tests were performed for coronavirus per million. In Thailand, 30, 30 people. In New Zealand, they checked 1,500 per million. In Israel, they checked 2,000 per million. Due to the sharp increase in the number of tests, in Israel, many times more asymptomatic carriers of the virus are detected. At the peak of the first wave, only 18% of the carriers of the virus showed no symptoms. Today, completely asymptomatic carriers are more than 50%. And so they're doing more testing, and so the EU bans them, even though their rates are far, far lower than other countries like Thailand, who has tested 30. So there you go. From the Times of Israel. Airport chief warns Israeli aviation is days away from point of no return. The CEO of Israel's main airport warned that the country was only days away from reaching the point of no return for its aviation industry. Guy's name is Shmuel Zakeh. He said that after so much time without activity, many professionals from pilots to ground crews had lost their operational competency. Bringing them back to efficient and safe flights will take months. In Israel, where most travel in and out of the country is through the air, long-term damage to the aviation industry would cause huge strategic harm. While acknowledging that the coronavirus is a dangerous and lethal pandemic, Zakay said it was imperative to learn to live with its presence and manage its risks. He accused the government of stagnation in its response to the disease. That is the opposite of leadership. This week, civilian flights resumed in the world, even in countries whose illness levels are high, he stated. We can operate safe civilian aviation even under the shadow of coronavirus. So they've got a choice to make over there. Times of Israel, here it is. LL accepts $400 million bailout, with airline likely to be 
nationalized. That may be why they were doing this all along. Struggling carrier El Al could be flying back into state hands as the company's board accepted a government bailout that would likely give the state some 61% of the firm. Under the deal, the airline will get a $250 million government-backed loan with guarantees for 75% of the loan in case the firm defaults. The deal stipulates efficiency steps that may lead to the firing of 2,000 workers. The offering will come with a caveat that the state must buy any unsold shares, meaning that the state could once again end up as the majority stakeholder in the airline. Well, Israel's a socialist nation, so it doesn't really bother them that much, but there you go. That's the result of these type of things from the Times of Israel. With Iran in its sights, Israel launches a new spy satellite into orbit. The Defense Ministry and IAI successfully launched into space the reconnaissance satellite OFEC-16, which entered into its orbit. Prime Minister Netanyahu said the successful launch very much increases our ability to act against Israel's enemies, near and far alike. Obviously, this is set up for Iran. There's no doubt about it. It greatly expands our ability to act on land, at sea, in the air, and also in space. Our network of satellites lets us watch the entire Middle East region, and even a bit more than that, said Shlomi Sudari, the head of IAI's space program. The OFEC-16 is an opto-electronic reconnaissance satellite with advanced capabilities. It is the latest satellite in the OFEC series to be launched into space following OFEC-11, which we reported on back in 2016. From MIG News, Israel dropped... Iran's nuclear program for two years. Now, this is translated from Russian. What they're trying to say is they have set back Iran's nuclear program for two years. But here we go. In the past couple of weeks, a series of explosions at nuclear and civilian facilities has occurred in Iran. The most significant explosion occurred early Thursday morning in Natanz. Israel military analyst Ron Ben Ishai said that using a new generation of centrifuges at this facility, Iran could acquire a nuclear bomb at an astonishing rate in weeks or in months. On Monday, Channel 12 stated that the attack on the Natanz nuclear facility in Iran attributed to Israel was able to postpone the uranium enrichment program in Tehran for two years, citing Western intelligence estimates. It was also reported that Mossad recently foiled planned attempts by Iranian attacks on Israeli diplomatic missions in Europe and other countries and that frustration in Iran is growing rapidly. Kind of funny what's going on there. They've had three major explosions in the past week and a half. They had another explosion last night, but they're not sure exactly what caused it. It was in a gas main, so it could have been something that was sabotage. But here we go with MIG news. Someone is playing with the main computer of Iran. Israeli affairs and Middle East correspondent for Israeli TV channel 12, Zvi Yehezkeli, gave an interview to 103 FM radio. Isaiah Kali said three weeks ago on Friday morning, we talked about an explosion in Fordo. This was followed by a very serious explosion in Natanz and please another series of explosions in Tehran. What is happening there? Apparently, if you look at the messages in Middle Eastern media, especially on Saudi sites, they talk about how the Iranians have made significant progress in the nuclear program in recent months and someone most likely Israel is sabotaging the Iranian nuclear program and throwing it back. 
that explosion in Natanz as a result of which the centrifuges suffered returned Iran at least a year ago. In other words, it moved them back at least a year. The other article said two years. It's about Israel's attempt to stop and push back the Iranian nuclear program and see how helpless Iranians are in front of these attacks. They don't even know where the source is, whether it's about cyber attacks or sabotage. They still don't understand whether it's about bombing or an air attack. Pay attention also to the reaction of the Iranians. This is kind of interesting. They do not threaten Israel and they do not know who it is. And after the attacks, two weeks have already passed. Iranian citizens every day report severe disruptions in their supply of electricity. You just see that someone is playing with the central computer of Iran, and this cannot be prevented. If we are talking about Israel, then I would say that we are talking about a combination of cyber attacks, deep infiltration into the central computers of Iran's supply systems. I recall a cyber attack against the port of Bandar Abbas that still has not started to operate at full capacity. These attacks are carried out very cleanly. The fact that the Iranians cannot identify the source. Maybe part of the attack, such as in the Tants, there was an explosion. We are talking about an attack from the air. You read Iranian statements and understand that they are completely at a loss. They don't understand where it came from. And if you read then what the Arabs write, including about today's attack, you feel that they support these attacks and Israel. And look at the reaction of Nasrallah. That's Hezbollah up in Lebanon. He says, guys, we are starting agricultural jihad. What is agricultural jihad? We are hungry, so let's start growing something. Everyone laughs at him. They say, first you took money from us, and now you're talking about jihad in the fields. And that's because Hezbollah is funded by Iran. So the Arabs are just laughing at the Iranian connection right now because Iran is just being destroyed from within and they have no idea how it's happening, who's causing it. They're certain it's Israel, but that one comment there about them not condemning Israel shows that they can't pinpoint that it's Israel at all. It could be the United States. It could be the Germans. It could be their own incompetence. They have no idea. Once again, sorry, that was from Russia and I know it was a little hard to understand at times, but there you go. From Christian News Today, Christian Times says national security law is a threat to Christians in Hong Kong. The imposition of a draconian national security law in Hong Kong this week has given rise to fears over the fate of Christians. Andrew Boyd, spokesperson for Release International, which supports persecuted Christians worldwide, said he was deeply concerned by the events unfolding in Hong Kong. He said the implementation of the new security law raised important questions about the rights of churches in Hong Kong, as he voiced concerns that the situation could quickly mirror mainland China, where Christians are persecuted. In China, the Communist Party is demolishing churches, tearing down crosses, and imprisoning human rights lawyers who defend religious freedom in the courts, he said. The fundamental issue for Christians in China and in the days to come in Hong Kong is who governs the church. In China, the Atheist Communist Party demands total allegiance and exercises complete control over the church. Christians in mainland China who assert that most basic of human rights, freedom of worship, are increasingly finding themselves accused of subversion and being a threat to national security. The Christians of Hong Kong are now facing the same threat to their religious freedom. So we need to keep the Christians in Hong Kong in prayer. It looks like that's the direction it's going to head, and it's probably going to head there very quickly. From Breitbart, 
Christian Church in Nigeria reports 8,370 dead at the hands of Boko Haram. You don't hear about this on the news. The Reverend Joel Billy, president of the EYN, said that the church, founded 97 years ago, had been the hardest hit by the jihadists of any Christian denomination in the country. Among the massacred EYN members were eight pastors, more than 700,000 of the faithful had been displaced by the violence. Billy added that 300 of the EYN's 586 church buildings were either burned or damaged by Boko Haram, and an unaccountable number of houses of our members were either burnt or looted. Boko Haram is also engaged in extensive kidnapping of church members with 217 of the abducted 276 Chaibuk schoolgirls belonging to the EYN, which is currently headquartered in Adamawa State. So once again, they're having all kinds of trouble over there. The rest of the world does not seem to care about this. From Zero Hedge, Michigan passes controversial bill to microchip humans voluntarily to protect their privacy. Okay, I put this under Christian news because it's kind of fulfilling the uh, biblical narrative about, you know, the one world government and not being able to buy or sell anything. But I read an article this morning that they have guaranteed the right now on top of this article to, uh, you do not have to be microchipped. But I'll read the article and I'll give you my thought. The Michigan House has passed a controversial bill to microchip humans voluntarily in the state under the guise of protecting their privacy. The Microchip Protection Act would allow Michigan employers to use microchipping of their workers with their consent. However, research has shown that RFID transponders cause cancer. The stated objective of the bill is that it will protect the privacy rights of Michigan workers and promote further growth for job providers as it relates to microchipping, a cutting-edge technology on the rise that increases workplace efficiency. So they're setting you up here. They're increasing workplace efficiency, blah, blah, blah. Microchipping has been brought up in many conversations as companies across the country are exploring cost-effective ways to increase workplace efficiency. While these miniature devices are on the rise, so are the calls of workers to have their privacy protected. RFID tags, commonly referred to as microchips, are beginning to seep into the marketplace as new technological devices to help streamline everyday business practices. So they're saying it's really good and it's going to help their privacy. The chips, roughly the size of a grain of rice, are implanted into the hands of employees and act as a replacement for ID badges, time cards, usernames, and passwords for security clearance, and even credit cards. Under Kali's plan, Michigan employers would be able to utilize microchipping, but could not mandate employees to have such devices implanted. Kali said the measure strikes a good balance between protecting workers' rights and providing businesses with flexibility to increase efficiency and further grow. Research has suggested 90% of Americans are uncomfortable with microchipping, mostly due to studies that suggested a link between RFID transponders and cancer in lab animals. So here's what they do. They pass this law that says we're protecting your privacy by allowing you to get these microchips. And then it becomes the standard in the company. And if you don't have one, you are now not able to function as all the other employees do. And so they will no longer hire people that don't have these or are not willing to get them. It is a foot in the door, and that's all this is. This is a foot in the door to mandate these eventually. That is what this is.
there, yes, they have lithium in them. So we don't want that in our bodies. I wouldn't think you would, but there you go with that. So it's just one more curious thing that we're facing in the world today. From Islam, from Israel, Hayom, Iranian missile can reach Europe and parts of North Europe. A new analysis by the site Breaking Defense suggests Iran may be developing a new missile variant that is designed to strike Europe's heartland and is disguising it as a space launch vehicle. According to the analysis of the Qassad space launch vehicle, it appears to have a strong relationship to the Shahab 3 ballistic missile. And based on the recent satellite launch carried out, it may in fact be used for other purposes. This means that if the missile were to be used for military uses rather than just for space vehicles, it could be fired as a ballistic missile. And in this case, the Kassed can reach Central Europe and parts of Northern Europe, depending on its payload mass. According to the site, the recent attack against the Al-Assad airbase in Saudi Arabia shows that it has made great leaps in improving the accuracy of its ballistic missiles. If the actual range of the missile is as analyzed, this would directly contradict Iran's public comments. So far, Iran says it officially limits the maximum range of its ballistic missiles to 2,000 kilometers, sufficient to reach Israel and Saudi Arabia, the stated foes of the Iranian regime. The U.S. government maintains that Iran's space launch vehicle is a cover for building long-range ballistic missiles, and this analysis does not contradict that assertion. So we'll see if the Europeans finally do something about Iran. My guess is they won't. They're going to blow this off, but who knows. From Fox News, Pompeo, if the United Nations lets Iran arms embargo expire, it will betray ideals of peace and security. Secretary of State Pompeo seized on a U.N. report confirming Iranian weapons were used to attack Saudi Arabia in September and were part of an armed shipment seized months ago off Yemen's coast. We reported on both of those. The arms embargo against Iran is set to expire this October as a part of the JCPOA, also referred to as the Iran nuclear deal signed by Iran, the EU, and permanent members of the UNSC, including the United States which pulled out of the deal under President Trump, who called the agreement decaying and rotten. Pompeo urged the council to consider Iran's ability to purchase Russian-made fighter jets should the embargo expire, adding that the aircraft have the ability to strike up to a 3,000-kilometer radius, putting cities like Riyadh, New Delhi, Rome, and Warsaw in Iranian crosshairs. Pompeo said Iran would be able to more easily supply weapons to known terrorist organizations such as Hamas and Hezbollah and become a rogue weapons dealer profiting off arms supplied to Venezuela and Syria. The United States has already created a draft resolution calling to extend the embargo indefinitely. And while the resolution only needs nine of the 15 votes to pass, here it is, it can be vetoed by Britain, China, France, or Russia. Russia wants to sell them. They'll probably go ahead and veto it. China and Russia are likely to veto the bill as their partnership is only strengthened while the U.S. has diminished, especially with China in recent months. Pompeo warned that they too should be wary of the arms embargo expiring, saying Iran will threaten economic stability in the Middle East, which will in turn affect stable energy prices that countries like China and Russia rely on. Iranian President Rouhani has said, when the embargo is lifted next year, we can easily buy and sell weapons. 
We should take him at his word, Pompeo added. There you go. Kind of dangerous world we're living in with Iran. From The Guardian, it feels like a failed state. Lebanon's crisis deepens as it awaits bailout. Lebanon's catastrophic economic collapse is gathering pace with its currency shedding value daily. Prices of essential foods out of reach of many and talks that could unlock a desperately needed bailout crippled by what critics say is a determination by the ruling class to protect a broken system. Now, remember, they're just right there above Israel, so this can affect the entire Middle East very quickly. The country's collapse has led to meat and chicken prices tripling over the past fortnight and scarcities of fuel and flour amplified by the sale of state-subsidized supplies to neighboring Syria, where they get a better price for it, and sharply increasing hunger. Protein has been taken off the menu at army barracks, while ordinary Lebanese have resorted to selling furniture in order to raise enough money to buy food. Retail chains closed en masse during the week and almost all the country's hotels remain shuttered. Hopes of a spike from summer tourism were dashed by the COVID-19 pandemic and rising fears about security across the country. Civic leaders and two members of a team that led talks with the IMF in an attempt to introduce billions of dollars in global aid say patronage networks that have run the government and enriched its leaders are seen as being more valuable than safeguarding the country itself. When it's all boiled down, this is indeed the reckoning, said one senior politician. If you break what's been built since the war years, we are in for another conflict and it could make 1982 look like a dress rehearsal. All at Israel's northern border. It's all very scary, and we're just going to have to see where that goes. Yes? What happened in 1982? That was the Lebanese wars back in 82. Remember, we had the UN, uh, our members were at the Collar Towers, and they were blown up, and they had the UN peacekeepers there and everything. Lebanon was devastated at the time. And so now they're saying it's going to be far worse, far worse this time if they don't get this under control. So. Uh, who knows? What do they always fight about? I mean, it's just uh, the main thing of the article is that they have people that are in power that are sucking money out of the rest of the world and they don't want to give up their money and their power. So there you go with that. From Mongolia today, Moscow Times. Mongolia quarantines Russian border region over bubonic plague suspicion. Mongolia has quarantined its western region near the border with Russia after identifying two suspected cases of the Black Plague linked to the consumption of marmot meat. Lab test, we had this a year or two ago, and here it is again. Lab tests confirmed that two unidentified individuals had contracted the marmot plague in the region of Kovd. Mongolia's NCZD said it had analyzed samples taken from 146 people who it said had contacts with the two infected persons and identified 504 second contact individuals. Media reports suggested that the victims were a 27-year-old male and a young woman of an unknown age. Experts say the direct descendants of the same bubonic plague that killed 50 million people in the 14th century still exist today, killing around 2,000 people a year. So that's where we're standing with Mongolia right now. From Daniel 12 Technology, from The Independent, Nassau names asteroid it will use as target practice to keep the planet safe from impact. They've been talking about this for years and years. They've now picked the asteroids that they're going to blow up. NASA has given a name to the moon it plans to test its planetary defense on. 
The rock will be the target of NASA's DART mission scheduled for 2021. That mission involves deliberately crashing a spacecraft into the asteroid to change its motion in space. The target asteroid was first discovered nearly two decades ago with an accompanying moon. The binary system was given the name Didymos, while the moon was called Didymos B. Upon discovery, asteroids get a temporary name until we know their orbits well enough to know they won't be lost. Once the Didymos system was identified as the ideal target for the DART mission, we needed to formally distinguish between the main body and the satellite. The moon will now be called Dimorphos. It is approximately the size of the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Dimorphos, which means two forms, reflects the status of this object as the first celestial body to have the form of its orbit significantly changed by humanity. In this case, by the DART impact. As such, it will be the first object to be known to humans by two very different forms. The one seen by DART before impact and the other seen by the European Space Agency's ESA, HERA, a few years later. HERA is the mission that will be undertaken by ESA a few years after impact in order to assess DART's effects. The impact itself will be recorded by the LICIA Cube CubeSat, which will be deployed from DART several days before the crash. Longer-term effects will be studied by telescopes on Earth's surface and in space. DART is the first mission developed by NASA's Planetary Defense Coordination Office to protect the Earth from potentially hazardous asteroids and comets. Potentially hazardous asteroids are a global concern, and we are excited to be working with our Italian and European colleagues to collect the most accurate data possible from this kinetic impact deflection demonstration. That's very cool stuff if you ask me, but I have a question for you. The word didymus. That is found where in the Bible, and what does it mean? No. It was attached to Thomas. Thomas, okay, he's got that right. Didymus means twin. Okay, that's why Thomas is called the twin. That's John eleven sixteen. Thomas and Didymus, and that comes from the Hebrew, which is Taom, which is the root of our name. Thomas. There you go. So Thomas the twin. My grandfather was named Thomas and he happened to be a twin. So there you go. Kind of fun stuff there. But you can go back and you can watch the story on the twins, Jacob and Esau being born. And that makes a marvelous picture of Christ. Go watch that Genesis sermon that we did. You will not believe all of the pictures of Christ in there and actually how Taom looks to the New Testament, the doubting Thomas. Wonderful stuff in that sermon. Go watch it. Okay. From Revelation Plagues today, CBS rare case of brain-destroying amoeba confirmed in Florida. Ooh. The FDH confirmed a case of what is commonly referred to as brain-eating amoeba in the Tampa area. Now it's getting close to us. <laughs> One person in Hillsborough County contracted the single-cell amoeba that attacks brain tissue and is usually fatal. Since 1962, there have only been 37 cases in Florida. This year alone, there have been 4,727 Okay, I'm kidding. I made that up. All right. There have only been 37 cases in Florida, according to the DOH. Only four people of the 145 known infected individuals in the United States have survived. Four out of 145. Yes, it is contracted when contaminated water enters through the person's nose and is found in warm, fresh water such as lakes, rivers, and hot springs. 
Its peak season in Florida is in July through September. It grows best at temperatures of 115 degrees. It is also possible to contract it in swimming pools that are not properly chlorinated or contaminated neti pots. So clean your neti pots. A person can't contract it from drinking contaminated water since it's only contracted through the nose. Symptoms include severe frontal headache, fever, nausea, and vomiting. Later symptoms can also include stiff neck, seizures, altered mental status, hallucinations, and coma. So I would recommend everybody here to stay out of 115 degree water, okay? From Zero Hedge, in addition to everything else, now bunny Ebola is spreading across the United States. Yes, this is really sad because I love bunnies. I got them all over my, my lawn. In uh, 2020, it has been just one thing after another. The COVID-19 pandemic has paralyzed countries all over the globe. There's been tremendous rioting, looting, and civil unrest by Democrats in major U.S. cities, and millions of Americans have lost their jobs. Now there is one more crisis that we can add to the list. An outbreak of a virus that is known as bunny Ebola erupted in the southwest United States in April, and since that time it has moved like mad from one location to another. At this point, cases have been confirmed at 146 different locations in the states of Arizona, California, Colorado, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, and Utah. The good news is that this virus does not infect humans, but it is absolutely deadly for rabbits, hares, and pikas. Thousands have already died, and it appears that this pandemic is just getting started. So rabbits are taking the brunt end of it right now. When I was a kid, we grew up out on Siesta Key when nobody wanted to live on Siesta Key. It was all mosquitoes. It was, it was bad. Anyway, we would leave the key to go to like a Chinese restaurant or something. There, nobody lived out there, and so it was just road, and then on each side of the road you had grass. That was all that you saw all the way down the road. And every night when we would go out, not we didn't go out every night, but every night that we did go out to get dinner, there would be bunnies all the way down the road. Hundreds of them. You saw them all over the place. And I haven't seen a bunny in 30 years on that island. And all of a sudden this year, they have exploded. They are. We have got probably 15 in our yard alone. Oh man, I bring them home bananas and they've been eating the mangoes. And oh, I'm telling you, it is so nice to see those bunnies. But well, I won't say what happened to one of them yesterday. A sad, sad thing. Anyway, but they're everywhere now. I mean, it's just, I don't know what happened with the bunny population, but when they say they breed like rabbits, I know why. Okay, from uh, YT, Governor Cuomo, since we started reopening, the numbers have actually declined. Duh! From the Epic Times, people feeling sick but without CCP virus symptoms should get tested. There is no way on this planet that I will go get tested. It is not going to happen. All they're going to do, if you feel sick with a, a nose cold, they're going to take you in there and they're going to raise you up in the statistics. That's all they're going to do. It's going to harm the nation more. It's not going to help it. This is an agenda to get people identified with something that isn't harming them so everybody continues to panic and we keep our kids out of school. From Zero Hedge, we're going to have a generation of brain-dead people because they aren't educated anymore. Zero Hedge. EU bans on U.S. travelers relies on misleading COVID data. Israel went through it. Here we go. Punishes testing gains. With the number of reported coronavirus infections rising in the United States, the European Union adopted recommendations 
extending travel restrictions that effectively ban non-essential American business and leisure travelers. The ban would remain in effect until the United States infection rate falls to a level comparable to or lower than the European rate and the number of new cases nationwide starts trending downward. While Europe's ban on travel from countries with high infection rates appears sound on the surface, the data underlying its exclusion of U.S. travelers is misleading to the point of being false. You wonder why they're doing this, too. The United States infection case rate obscures something crucially important that is being missed or ignored by the media on both sides of the pond. Despite the high U.S. rate, six major European countries have a higher per capita death rate than the United States, and a couple of others are on about the same level. The United States government has effectively invited exaggerated numbers in multiple ways, including the CDC does not require positivity to declare a case as coronavirus. The CDC has conflated death with the virus and death from to the extent that the number of fatalities attributed to the CV-19 may be highly inflated. The Medicare program that covers Americans over age 65 pays a 20% premium if a case is declared CV-19, which creates a strong temptation for hospitals to overcount. If it's hard to conceive why European governments would forfeit badly needed American tourist dollars simply because of surging U.S. testing, combined with a counting methodology that overstates case numbers, perhaps it's because the EU has an additional unacknowledged motive behind public health, namely retaliation. Remember, President Trump blocked travel to the United States from all 26 member nations of the European Schengen area in mid-March before Europe blocked the United States. The U.S. stands to take a big economic hit of its own by keeping its doors closed to Europeans. In March, tourism economics estimated the United States travel and tourism industry could lose at least 24 billion dollars in foreign spending this year because of COVID-19 travel restrictions. Well, as I posted a couple days on Facebook, I can't wait 115 more days and we will never hear about COVID-19 again. It's not going to happen because the election will be behind us and whatever happens, they'll find some other way of abusing our president if in fact he wins, but we're not going to hear any more about this ridiculous COVID-19 for morality today. Epic Times, statue of abolitionist Frederick Douglass torn down, vandalized. Zero Hedge, House Democrats move to block all new construction at all military bases with Confederate names. Trump has vowed to veto any spending bill requiring bases to be renamed while polls show name changes remain deeply unpopular among the majority. From KCRA, San Francisco Police Department says it will stop releasing mug shots in an effort to stop racism. <laughs> From the Hill, Russia votes in favor of referendum banning gay marriage. Good job, Russia. That's finally some good news in the world. From KTVU, California schools can no longer, we talked about this a year ago when it was proposed, they proposed it and they passed it, they can no longer suspend elementary, middle school students for disruptive behavior. You can't do anything in class anymore. They have no control in class at all. From the Boston Globe, Somerville recognizes polyamorous relationships in new domestic partnership ordinance. This is Somerville outside of Boston. Okay, the city of Somerville 
has adopted a domestic partnership policy that recognizes polyamorous relationships after a unanimous vote of the city council. The ordinance, which may be the first of its kind in the country, and certainly the first of many, many, many coming, I'm telling you now that they have done this, it's going to blossom all over the country. The issue arose recently because of the coronavirus pandemic. As Somerville residents in committed relationships who aren't married approach Davis and other counselors with concerns about being able to visit sick partners in the hospital. I got an email from someone at my church that said, wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much for doing this, he said. What kind of a church is that guy going to? From our other category. What does that mean? Polyamorous means many partners. You can have three, four, ten, twenty, doesn't matter. And they're all now designated as a, a recognized partner. So it's like the Mormons? The same thing. Yeah, same thing. They, but you don't have to be married to do it. You can have any number of partners. They can be any sex, and you can have, and just say, this is, you, they can, yeah, the rabbits. There you go, rabbits. Okay. Our, our other category from Zero Hedge. Racist college researcher ousted after sharing studies showing no racial bias in police shootings. And guess what? This guy's a Chinese. I mean, it's not like he's a... The vice president of research and innovation at Michigan State University, physicist Stefan Su, H-S-U, Su, I believe is how you pronounce that, has been forced out of his position after daring to show actual facts from a 2019 study that showed that there to be no racial bias in incidents of police shootings. Sue wrote that the Graduate Employees Union alleged that I'm a racist because I interviewed MSU psychology professor Joe Cesario, who studies police shootings. Cesario's work is essential to understanding deadly force and how to improve policing, Sue said. Cesario's 2019 study found that the race of the officer does not matter when it comes to predicting whether black or white citizens are shot. The conclusion of the study was that contrary to activist claims and media reports, there is no widespread racial bias in police shootings. Cesario's study was then cited in a June 3 Wall Street Journal op-ed called The Myth of Systematic Police Racism. The MSU communications team highlighted the mention of claiming that it did not alight with public statements issued by MSU, that when Sue said the social media attacks began, this started as a Twitter mob attack with a very serious claim that I am a racist, sexist, eugenicist, and so on. The GEU subsequently circulated a Fire Stephen Sue petition that demanded Sue's firing. While more than 800 signed the petition to get him fired, days later, Sue had compiled over 2,000 signatures in support of his petition. Among the signatories are hundreds of professors from MSU and around the world and an even larger number of PhD degree holders. The support petition read, we highlight that there is zero concrete evidence that Sue has performed his duties as vice president in an unfair or biased manner. Therefore, Removing Sue from his post as VP would be to capitulate to rumor and character assassination. On June 19th, Sue was asked to resign from his position. 
He consented, but wrote on his blog, I do not agree with his decision as serious issues of academic freedom and freedom of inquiry are at stake. I fear for the reputation of MSU. Forcing a guy out that spent his life dedicated to education because he posts facts. Zero Hedge. UMass nursing dean fired for saying everyone's life matters. Fired. The dean. Zero Hedge. Here we go. We got somebody uh, that's visiting from Thailand right now. So we've got an article that this person will like. Thailand monkey wars escalate as rival gangs force locals to flee homes. Yes, monkeys in the Thai city of Lopburi have become especially aggressive since coronavirus lockdowns significantly cut into the supply of treat-throwing tourists, which had been feeding the city's wild macaques. The monkeys, numbering in the thousands, have set up shop in an abandoned local cinema, brawling with each other when they aren't aggressively attacking locals. They're also super frisky. That's not the word they use, but I changed it to frisky. Local efforts to offer the monkey mob some nutrition may have backfired, as some say a sugary diet of fizzy drinks, cereal, and sweets has fueled the animals' sex lives, making their population grow even more. The more they eat, the more energy they have, so they breed more, like rabbits. They're invading buildings and forcing locals to flee their homes. Talk about revelation where the beasts of the earth are going to destroy humanity. This is it. From BBC, talking about monkeys, live coconut harvesting machines. Retail chains oppose products collected by monkeys. You know, this is so stupid. This is like saying we're not going to allow anything that's uh, an ox, you know, takes a, what do you call the thing? Uh, uh, the thing through the, the ground. Um Plow, thank you. The ox takes the plow through the ground. And so we're not going to eat anything from this particular place until they do their own plowing without animals. Well, this is it. Here it goes. Several chain supermarkets in Britain immediately removed coconut milk and butter from their shelves after it became known that coconuts collected by forced monkeys were used in the manufacture of these products. For example, pigtailed macaques in Thailand are essentially turned into coconut picking machines. Having, and they're good at it. I've seen it. You know, I lived over there. Having learned about this, some British chain supermarkets decided to be principled and promised to stop selling goods in the production of which slave monkey labor is involved. <laughs> some supermarkets have stated that in accordance with ethical standards and in the interest of protecting animal rights, they've already removed goods from their shelves in the manufacture of which monkeys collected coconuts were used. I just, what world we're living in. Fire them. Fire them. Stay in a movie theater. Yeah, let the monkeys stay in a movie theater and fight each other. Buy Goya instead. Yeah, buy Goya instead. I want you to know, I was going to mention this, but seeing how you mention it right now, Goya, if you have not heard this, the, the Goya Foundation endorsed Trump and they were attacked and they said, we are not backing down from this. We are not going to be pushed. And today... I did something I've never done before on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, I always take one of those gay little baskets and I put the flowers in it and all the stuff that I buy because that's all I need is a little basket. Today, I got a shopping cart and I walked through the store because I was going to buy everybody in this, this church Goya products. 
But all they had were two types of beans that I had never heard of and some white vinegar, Goya white vinegar. I couldn't find anything else because it's all sold out. So you guys have to go buy your own Goya products, but please buy Goya. It, I guess I couldn't find anything else in the store. Sales are going through the, the roof and that's good news, but please buy Goya. And also be sure to buy products that were collected by monkeys in Thailand because they need employment too, okay? All right, let's go on. The Epic Times, 37 shot, three dead overnight on July 4th in New York, police say. Zero Hedge, New York City suffers highest number of June shootings in over 20 years. Fox, here it is. De Blasio blames New York City weekend violence on coronavirus, vows to double down to keep cities safe. Yes. Epic Times, 79 shot, 15 dead over 4th of July weekend in Chicago. From YT, Chicago Dem mayor blames COVID for spiking murder rate. It just let's blame everybody but ourselves and our own crummy policies. From Fox. The COVID is on the bullet? Yes, the COVID is on the bullet and that's what killed him. Very good. From Fox, 4th of July weekend shootings kill at least six children, all black. All black. Black lives matter, except when they don't matter. You're not going to hear that on any of the major news media, but six children, little kids were shot in crossfire this past week. Six of them. From New York Times, anti-lockdown protests rooted in white nationalism. So not wanting to be locked up means that you're white and you're a racist. Does everybody see the illogic in that? Wanting to be locked up means it's okay, you're black. I mean, that is, you talk about racist thinking. That is it right there. That's what I, that's exactly what I'm saying. They have put themselves into a box with these stupid articles, making things up to the point where now they are saying that the blacks are the ones that need to be locked up. It's insane. It's literally insane. Okay, I got a lesser to lighten things for you. Tell me if you can see which article we're referring to. NASA wants to crash spaceships and more. They will shoot fiery dart at the core. They will say adios, leave our earth and cosmos. You were once a twin, but now you're two more. There you go, good job. Okay, got an irony, actually I got, do I have, yes, I've got two ironies and they're both entitled just dead wrong, okay? Just dead wrong. Mail online, Chinese man declared dead by medics and cremated shocks his family when he returns home alive after hospital mistook another patient for him. Just dead wrong. Okay, and from Newsweek, this is just dead wrong. Coronavirus patient dies after family unplugged the ventilator to use the AC. Yes, they they thought the battery would last. They unplugged it, plugged it into the wall. The battery died and so did their family member. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the superior word, and that is your prophecy update for the week.